Before we get started, I want to take a minute to ask for your help. Since 2014, Ascension has been creating free Catholic YouTube videos, podcasts, and articles to help people like you discover the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. Ascension releases 18 free videos and podcasts every single week and has reached millions of people with the message of God's love. While this content is free to consume, it is not free to make. So to help offset the increasing cost of production, we're asking for financial support to continue bringing this life-changing content to people who are searching for Christ. If you or someone you know has personally benefited from Ascension's work, please consider financially supporting this podcast and this channel. Any amount is truly appreciated and will go towards things like Ascension Presents YouTube channel, The Bible in a Year, and Girlfriends. To make a gift, please visit ascensionpress.com support or click the link in the description for this show. Again, that's ascensionpress.com support. And whether you're able to support us financially or not, please keep the entire Ascension team in your prayers. We are definitely praying for you. Girlfriends, episode number 348. Learning and Growing with Your Kids with Dr. Jordan Almanzar. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance and joy in family living. This week, we are talking with special guest, Dr. Jordan Almanzar, and he's got lots of words of encouragement about learning alongside your kids and growing in faith as a parent. Can't wait to share this special conversation with you. Let's get going. Hey, girlfriend, how are you? Thank you so much for being here. Always glad to be able to connect with you on the podcast. I am excited to share today's special guest and conversation with you because Dr. Jordan Almanzar is the product of homeschooling and he's now a dad himself. And so I think he's in a unique place to speak some real words of encouragement for moms, not just homeschooling moms, but there's so many things that we do with our kids, right? That we wonder how they're going to turn out. Homeschooling is definitely one of them. I know as a homeschooler through the years, there were many different times like when my daughter first was going to take an English class at the local high school. It was like the first experiment ever of a kid going into a classroom. And I was just like, hold my breath, like, is this going to work? Is, is this, uh, did we mess this up? You know, but then other times too, like whether it's standardized tests or getting into college and, but not just with homeschooling, there are so many things about our parenting that we might have doubt about that we might have anxiety about. And I love that uh, Jordan Almanzar just shares in this very real way about his own upbringing and that it, it even if it, it wasn't perfect, some of those things that we tend to worry about as moms don't matter at all in the end. In the end, just it was a huge blessing to him and he's grateful for it. So I, I found a lot of encouragement in my conversation with him. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you, if you want to sign up for receiving the show notes for the Girlfriends podcast, right into your inbox every week. It's a great way for us to stay connected. Um, just text the word girlfriends to 33777. One fun thing that subscribers get is every week with the podcast, I share a song of the week, something that I'm enjoying listening to. And that's been kind of a fun way to share good music, but also a little benefit, a side bonus that you get when you do sign up for those show notes coming right into your inbox. Simple way to do it. Just text the word girlfriends to 33777. You never miss an episode of the podcast. You always have all those resources and you will get that song every week. Another fun way that we connect outside of the podcast that I want to encourage you to consider doing is joining our Girlfriends community. So over at girlfriendscommunity.com, we have a thriving and growing 
online community of Catholic women who are looking to support and encourage each other in faith and family living. It's really a beautiful thing that's going on there. It's all the beauty and connection of social media without any of the junk, without any of the distractions, the ads, the vitriol, the politics. None of that's going on there. We are praying with each other. We are praying for each other. We are sharing jokes and fun videos and music and prayers. It's really just a beautiful community that is growing there, especially through the video chats that we have every week. We On Wednesday evenings, we have these live video chats. So fun to connect with people and kind of put faces to names. And really, the community is growing, especially through those weekly conversations as we're seeking to grow in virtue together. So if you want to check that out, go over to girlfriendscommunity.com. If you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast, you qualify. <laughs> you definitely, you definitely will fit right in over at girlfriendscommunity.com. I also want to be sure to mention the retreat that I have coming up on November 30th. It's not too late to register. It's called Advent with Mary. It's happening on Wednesday, November 30th from 8 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. You do have to register and registration is free if you are a member of the Girlfriends community. So this is a good excuse for you to sign up over at Girlfriends and just check it out and then get free access to the retreat. So you can get all the information to do that at girlfriendscommunity.com. But I will have a link to register for the retreat. If you don't want to become a member of the Girlfriends community right now, you can just click this link and register for $30. So there's that registration fee for non-members. But in this retreat, we're going to be reflecting especially on the joyful mysteries of the Annunciation and the Visitation. And we're going to look at Mary's example of saying yes to God and consider some of the big and small ways that Jesus is inviting us to say yes in our homes, in our families, in our marriages, and in our work, especially during this upcoming season of Advent. I can't wait to step into the season of Advent together with you. So make sure that you are registered for that retreat coming up on Wednesday, November 30th. All right. I'm not going to hold back anymore. Here's my conversation that I was blessed to have recently with Dr. Jordan Almanzar. Joining me here today on Girlfriends is Dr. Jordan Almanzar. So Dr. Jordan Almanzar is a professor at Magdalen College here in New Hampshire, in Warner, New Hampshire. He also teaches Greek and Latin at Colby Academy, and he is author of a book we're going to be talking about here today, When the Earth Was Flat, One Boy's Life at the Edge of the Millennium. Dr. Jordan Almanzar, welcome to Girlfriends. I'm so glad you're here joining us today. I'm so glad you invited me. Thank you very much. Yeah, this is fun. I, you know, okay. So first of all, this is such a, a great opportunity for me as a homeschooling mom, because here I, I am talking to a product of homeschooling and and you've shared <laughs> about your, your journey as a homeschooler and now as a, a husband and a father and a homeschooler yourself. This is, this is fascinating stuff for those of us who are homeschoolers or those of us who are interested in education. Maybe just to get us started, share with us a, a little bit about what, what prompted you to, to write this book? Yeah, I um, I w- so before my children were even, I guess, uh, big enough for me to be homeschooling them, I started just kind of recording memories and stuff. I was working on my dissertation, and it was I was reading a biography of, of a man uh, who had written a lot of childhood stories simply for his children, and he ended up publishing them. And I couldn't help but imitate that. I, I started writing my own stories, and. Um, just sort of collecting them. I, I didn't envision it becoming a book until I I was like 10 different 
episodes in. So the <laughs> chapters aren't long. They're just little memories right. that I threw together. And then the vision, it, it became a vision. It was kind of like, this could be something that I think other people might find um, interesting, at least, mm -hmm. and hopefully inspirational. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I love it because it reads like a memoir, which is like my favorite kind of writing anyway. Um, yeah. So I, I love it for that reason. But also just, that it's fascinating, these little snippets of your childhood, which kind of present when, when all taken together, an overall picture of, you know, sort of your experience um, being homeschooled, but not with a tremendous amount of structure. You know, some people, right. they, they, we're weird creatures to some people that, <laughs> that homeschoolers, they're like, they, they don't know, like, what do you do? Do you like, so you have your kids and desks in your dining room? And do you like say the Pledge of Allegiance at the start of each day? And uh, maybe some people do homeschool like that. But describe for us a little bit about what your experience was like as a homeschooler growing up. Well, it changed over the years. So in the in the um, in the earlier years, there was a lot more structure. I would mm -hmm. say um, my mom really tried to put together a curriculum for us and make sure we were learning all the subjects each day or at least each week. Over time, though, that all sort of devolved and it became more of a study what you're really interested in. I'll get you a library card. You can get any books in whatever subject you're you're very interested in. And I liked that approach. It was somewhat um, unschooling a little bit, I would mm -hmm. say. But um, she would bring in once in a while people from our church or whatever that were experts at like a mathematician. An, an engineer might be tutoring us once a week in math or something like that. But mm -hmm. the days weren't very structured towards the end at all. It was more that we had a lot of private time and it was before the internet, so we spent time reading. I mean, we, yeah. spent, we spent a lot of time reading what we really loved. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And, but some people are listening to that, and whether they're a homeschooler or not, they, they might be breaking out in hives like, what? You had no structure? Like, how do you, like, yeah. how do, you do that? But it's been very much my experience as a homeschooler that you naturally gain a level of confidence about what you're doing. Like in the beginning, I really wanted all of that structure. I wanted the worksheets. I wanted the, you know, the schedule and the checked off boxes. And, and some people will always prefer that, that style. But what I found was that we would find out like, oh, this is really working for us. Or, oh, this is a really enjoyable thing that we can go deeper into together. And, and it doesn't always look like, like you were describing, it doesn't always look like classroom learning. Like you're talking with people, you're going out in the world, you're having experiences. And the more we experience that as homeschoolers, I mean, I think that, you know, you end up deciding some of that structure stuff maybe isn't quite so necessary. So a little bit of a natural journey, but I, I want you to speak to the, some of the moms who are listening that whether they're homeschoolers or not, are are kind of lacking confidence in doing that. You know, I think there's no magic formula. Like we can't hand somebody confidence in, in that. But, right. and, and part of it is just naturally comes from experience. But what might you say to, to someone like that? Because here you are, you're, you're the product of homeschooling. You're the experiment, right? <laughs> yes. So you, right. Can, you can talk about the results a little bit. Yeah, it it is a it is a risk. I think people feel like you know, I'm not qualified. I'm not able to do this. I was never I was never good in this subject. How can I teach my children? Number 1, I would say to enjoy it. Enjoy mm -hmm. the ride. It's going to go by quickly. You are nothing catastrophic is is going to happen <laughs> one way or the other. You're you're going to be okay. Your child is going to be okay. To gain the confidence too, I, I think what it takes is to sort of dive in with them, get into the subjects with them, participate with them. One of the things that I talk about in the book is 
that my mom was very playful, I guess, in a way. Um, she, she was, she was very bold, but you know, she would, she would say if, if one of the things she always said was if someone else can do it, then I can too. And that didn't mean that she was going to be the expert teacher in everything, but that she could, she could get us to a point. Um, Mm -hmm. Uh, she would do things like uh, if we were, we were reading about wagon trains going out west or whatever, where, where I grew up out in the plains of Colorado, she may have us like make our own wagon train out of little <laughs> red wagons and we'd go out into the field and make a little fire and kind of live live that. So I could tell she was enjoying it. She was having fun. Mm-hmm. And that sort of trumped expectations. It was more for enjoy this moment with your children as a family. And I, I think for moms out there if, that they should focus on that, really, really getting in there and, and being playful and having fun with the kids in what you are learning, make it come alive for them in that way. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's, um, that's something that we can, we can readily relate to that once you dive into something and you start enjoying it together, that that's really a very natural way to learn. And um, but there are some moms who are, you know, whether whether we're talking about homeschooling or not, that are a little bit uh, afraid of of doing that, or they they feel like they don't have the you know the right credentials to do it, or or something along those lines. Um, so I love that you share a little bit of your mother's personality because it's always been part of my experience that you know the the unique personalities we have as mothers and as fathers are meant to be a gift to our kids. And like, God knows all about it. And sometimes we twist ourselves up, like tying ourselves in knots, trying to fit into a certain mold when really the mold that you are is is meant to be a gift to your kids. And yes. um, so what's been your experience since now that you're a dad and you're, you're a homeschooling dad yourself? Um, how have you kind of, how have you kind of come to terms with, with that? Like learning what kind of a dad you want to be to your kids and, and that God made you to be? Yeah, I I want my kids to have the experience that I did. I I feel so grateful. I I feel like my parents gave me the best childhood imaginable. And I, I wanted that for my own children. So when we were living in Germany and and uh, you you cannot homeschool there. They're like the most strict in all of Europe right, against right. it. So part of leaving there as much as we loved it was to try to give this to our children, the same the same opportunities um, that that we had in in spending every day as a family, and what you said about you know we are made a specific way as parents, and God knows all of that obviously, and the children um, the children are are also so unique that it, when you take something that's prescribed like a packaged education and say here's what every child should fit into. You should learn all of these things. I think that sometimes that can be damaging in a way because, you know, in the same way that no two persons are alike, no two educations necessarily need to be the same either. So mm-hmm. a lot of tailoring it towards your own children and, um, you know, and each one of them are so different from the other ones. So I, I think really recognizing that no one is in a better p- position than the parent to recognize what the child needs. And that includes in their education. Right, right. And it doesn't have to be all you. Like you said, bringing in other people 
And, you know, some people are never, they're never going to be homeschoolers and, and that's perfectly okay. But yeah. knowing that we're, every one of us as parents, we're the primary educators of our kids. I think so many parents need to be reminded of that. You know, just this yes. past weekend, I was, I was giving a talk here in New Hampshire to uh, parents at a parish and, and that's what they needed. And that was like the questions they had afterwards were like, can I really, like, am I, am I qualified? How do I, you know, supplement their religious ed or what does that look like? And, and I was just trying to share with them a little bit of my own experience. I wasn't homeschooled, but my parents, like they always supplemented what we were doing. Like, Hey, let's read this book. This, you know, this, this classic from, you know, from the church, uh, let's read St. Augustine together, you know, as we were older and let's just talk about it, you know, and we did that in structured ways and not so structured ways. Um, and, and that's been part of what I've ex experienced in homeschooling as well as that, like, liking that flexibility of time. And, and I think COVID, maybe you could talk a little bit about the, the opportunity of COVID, how in our own little community, now there are so many more homeschoolers post COVID. I think yeah. it's because a lot of parents realized, oh, oh, I, I could do this. Or maybe they realized what some of the benefits were of, of spending that time together. Yeah, yes, that's true. I I have um I I have friends who enjoyed the lockdown because they <laughs> spent so much time with their family that they wouldn't have had a chance to do otherwise. Mm -hmm. Homeschooling has really grown. It, it, it's amazing to me that it's seen in the light that it is because if um in my book we're we're it's cast as we are completely alone outsiders in the 80s and 90s, no co-ops, right. no nothing like that at, at that time. But now there are so many supports. It's validated itself time and time again that it, it is a valid way to educate. And sometimes it's the best way to educate. And I'd, I'd like to hit on what you said. Not everyone is able to do it. And that is, that's also fine. You know, I'd like to mm -hmm. encourage the listeners that maybe you're not able, you're, you're not able to homeschool for financial reasons, whatever the circumstances are. Um, but you know, supplementing as, as you described also works. So, right. um, in general, in general, I think that people during COVID got a taste of what it's like and that it can be done, especially when people went online, everyone was online. They saw they had a, a front seat to their child's education. And a lot of times I think they were surprised what they were seeing. This is what you're being taught yeah. in the, in your public school or whatever. And so that also turned a lot of people towards homeschooling. And I, I think it's only a good thing to have more homeschoolers. Absolutely. Yeah. And and more parents that are empowered to know that they can do that. And and well, we, we're blessed to live in New Hampshire, where we've got some of the best homeschooling laws <laughs> in the country. Yes. And we have so Indeed. many options. So I just I encourage people to check out, you know, wherever you live, and check out what the laws are in your state, because there are a lot of different kind of hybrid options that that people can take advantage of. Like, for example, my my son, who's a sophomore in high school, he's taking his English class at the local public high school and he's taking his other classes here at home. Like you can do that. You know, yes. I'm not everywhere. You can do that. But find out like what is available where where you live, because it's not an all or nothing kind of proposition. Right. But I want to talk about another theme that kind of comes out in what you share, um, you know, in this kind of memoir of your your childhood is that the fact that in kind of a countercultural way, a way that our culture doesn't readily recognize or appreciate these days, you are fully encouraged to be a boy, like be outdoors, be exploring, you know, all, you know, all of that, all that, that comes with that, like learning in that way. And, and you can see, you know, just through what you share, you don't even have to explicitly say it, like what a gift 
that was to you and your growth and, and your development as a human being and growing into a man. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. What are what are some of the things that you've noted perhaps about your own childhood and your own education that you would like to continue as you're raising sons yourself? Yeah, it's um, probably where that comes out the most is in a chapter that I, I forget what it's titled exactly, but I think it's called True True Limitations or Reckless Beauty, something like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> Sorry, I don't remember, but... <laughs> it's but only your that, book. No. That invo- <laughs> yeah. I've done that a hundred times. Like someone on an interview will like ask me about a particular line. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So many, so much water know, under so I many wrote bridges. That a very long that time. time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but in that chapter, though, uh, it also involves risk. It was, it was um, my mom. Well, my parents sort of allowing us to to be somewhat rough, somewhat reckless. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't have somebody standing right over us to tell us this is this is dangerous. And the chapter is pretty entertaining. My students love it because uh, probably none of them would ever do this, but <laughs> <laughs> we were having we were having BB gun wars. And um, okay. I, and I talk about like, you know, I, I describe it pretty graphically, <laughs> the uh, these wars and, and what happened with us all. And uh, we kind of it, it sort of ends with with a BB gun injury. You can read mm-hmm. about it in the book. Mm-hmm. But um, I took it as a lesson though, that we didn't have um, limitations dictated to us. Like, right. this is too dangerous. We were allowed to be outside. Even even when we were little, there's a chapter in there where I talk about in first grade, I would play outside all day long, every day, and just come in for meals and things. So it is kind of a change from, I think, the way that we kind of helicopter parent our, our children. You're right. always thinking of the worst thing that could happen and, <laughs> and what if this happens and I would regret it forever. So I, I try with my own kids also to, to give them this little bit of freedom for, appropriate for their age. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they don't know I'm watching and I'll let them, you know, wander around further away from the house than would normally be I'd be comfortable with mm-hmm. or something. And I suspect that my parents were doing the same. I suspect that that we were being watched more than we realized we right. were. But they sort of allowed some things that would look somewhat scary. And that freedom to be able to be in a, like a pack of boys, me and my brothers and our, and our friends and all of that, it really taught us that we can be self-sufficient from a young age to an extent. And mm-hmm. I've taken that into adulthood um, where I where I feel like I can handle situations that that uh, I because they're based on things that I overcame that were smaller in my past and those lessons need to be learned appropriate for the age and especially with boys let them be rough let them wrestle let them let them you know rough house and these kind of things that are I have one boy four daughters and they get annoyed with him because he's so he wants to <laughs> wrestle and, and stuff all the time but um I just I. I am very tolerant of it, and I join. Mm-hmm. I join him in it. I like to wrestle him too. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's good for you too. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, and and I love what you're describing there. As you were describing that, another another Dr. Jordan came to mind. Dr. Jordan Peterson, who says that we should encourage our children to do dangerous things carefully, and I've mm. always loved that because yeah. that perfectly describes what you're talking about there, like yeah. allowing them that space to do that, and. As moms, I get it. Like we want to like, you know, wrap them up in bubble wrap and do we want to like make sure they're always, you know, washing their hands and um but that's that's been something that I found 
I've uniquely experienced it, I think, in in our family life that it comes across to me as like, here's God's plan for the family, you know, right? Like, because so often there'll be something where I'm like, oh, no, 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 you know, and my husband, Dan, will be like, oh, he can, he can totally do that, you know? <laughs> yes, yes. And, and that's good because our, our children yeah. need both of those things and that there's a beautiful balance that comes at, in the end between those things. But um, yes. e- even now, though, my, my young adult sons, I'll hear about things like, you know, that they did in the woods, like when they were... I had no idea. Like, and it was probably best that I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And I I would say to any single moms that are listening too that you should, if you have sons, get them with, with older boys, older cousins, uncles, whoever, you know, whoever you can as much as possible that can kind of let them run wild. Cause I know it drives the moms crazy sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and did you as a, as a child or do you now as a parent, like have your son involved in any organized like boys only activities, you know, any clubs or groups or scouts or anything like that? I want to get him in some kind of scouting group. He's not in that yet. He okay. plays hockey. He um so uh, he he plays sports. He plays t-ball and hockey and stuff. But um that's his main thing is, is hockey. He's six years old, and so he loves going there. But there there it's it's not it's not boys only. Um, there are g- really some great hockey players that are girls, little mm-hmm. girls his age that are on his team. But I would say sports is is a way to do it. And then I would love to get him in some kind of scouting or something. I was fortunate because I had a, a bunch of brothers that I can, and, you know, and so he's always looking for somebody his age. And sure. I think that would be great for him to get him in, in a scouting group or something. Yeah, I've, I've experienced that with sports with our sons, especially we've really valued sports. And it's kind of been a non negotiable that they will, you know, figure out which ones they enjoy. And, and they generally have enjoyed a lot of different sports. But and that's something that we can observe as parents that, you know, that our, our children are different. And it's not, it, of course, you know, you can't say all girls are like or all boys are like, but you know, I, we've come to this crazy place in our culture where you can't even say like the differences yeah. you note between your sons and daughters, which like that's yeah. not politically correct to point out. And yet it couldn't be more obvious to me, you know, yes. and, and anybody who's a parent, like you're lying if you didn't, if you don't see those yeah. innate And it's unfair. It's really unfair to the children. I mean, right. <laughs> it's, it's so, and we think that we're doing something good. Society thinks it is, but it's really, it's, it's harmful to them. I mean, mm-hmm. It, it it really impoverishes their their childhood. Right, right. I know, and and it, and so that's something I think parents need to be aware of. And and you know, to some extent, if your if your kids are in a public school system or any school system, there might be some of that going on that you need to be kind of looking out for and kind of correcting in your own time with your kids. But a funny a funny story that comes to mind whenever we're talking about that was that years ago when we first were raising like my oldest son, I had a daughter first, and then our son and. I was kind of leaning toward like, oh, we can't do like guns. And I mean, I hadn't talked to my husband about it. He never would have, <laughs> he never would have gone for that. And I was like, kind of like leaning in that direction. But I remember at one point, my son, who was like not even three years old, he like bit his toast into the shape of a gun, like sitting in his high chair and was like, you know, <laughs> shooting people with it. And it was like, at that point, I was like, I, I need to not. <laughs> Yeah, I need to not be trying to control this. (laughs) It doesn't mean you embrace like a culture of violence. And and I think that's the thing, you know, uh, because we live in an age where you see these horrible stories on the news and and you wonder what the origin of it is. Um, Actually, I would love to get your your thoughts on that. Not that you can solve all of society's ills, but it's often occurred to me that perhaps it is this lack of boy culture, lack of uh, fathers in the homes who are kind of setting that example of masculine virtue for our kids is 
why sometimes these things go awry. Yeah, I, I think it, it is what what you're saying. I think it is the lack of of true leaders. I mean, look, mm-hmm. look how men are, are put down in, in everything. You never, I mean, in TV shows and, right. and everything, you can never show like a real man who's a leader. It's it's there's always got to be some flaw with them or something. Mm-hmm. Um and and so I think that men are are put down by society, and that 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 that's harmful for the for the boys. I mean, it's right. it's harmful. Who do they look up to then? Who do they want to be like then? And what we're seeing is sort of a backlash then, where where they rebel instead, mm-hmm. and that's that you know they rebel against the society because they know that there's no expectations for them to be the hero eventually. So we have to do it in small ways, and it obviously starts in the home, and then it's in the smaller communities, and it sort of grows out from that. But you can do it in your own home, and uh, you can you can point out men that are good for your boys. Mm-hmm. You could say, you know, you should be like your father. You should be like this person in, in your parish or whatever, and try to indicate for them who are good role models because the media is not going to do it for you. Right. Right. No, that's so true. That's so true. And and actually, well, the media will do it for you, but it will do a poor job of it. It'll do the opposite <laughs> right. for you. But yes, I think it's important right. to remind parents of that sometimes because sometimes, you know, in the face of all of it, it's overwhelming and you, you just kind of think, well, I can't, you know, I can't possibly, you know, impart my values or share the gift of my faith with my kids. And like, the world will rush into that gap and fill that void for you. Like they, the world will teach your kids values, you know, if you're not willing yes. to do it. So I think it's really important to remind people of that. Um, but getting back to the book, what is your, what was your hope in in writing this out? Was it really just about wanting to share these stories, which are are so heartwarming and and really kind of encouraging to me as as a homeschooler and as a mom myself? Or um, did you have a larger kind of goal in mind in, in sharing this particular? Uh, kind of upbringing so after i realized that it was going to that i was going to turn this into a volume uh, my goal became to encourage people out there that you can do this that mm-hmm. um you can so i i'm very honest with mistakes that happened like when we burned our entire field down and it, it was the the uh, <laughs> fire the local fire department had to come and it was this big embarrassing thing that happened but um but despite all of that i what i what i was really hoping is that people would realize that they could that they can do it if Mm -hmm. if these people in the book can do it back in the 80s and 90s with no internet and no (laughs) real connection to other homeschoolers you can do it now with all the resources that are out there especially and there and and i wanted it to sort of be a a voice of the time that, that that's one of the things that it kind of became was um, I wanted it to read like it's from another time mm-hmm. because I think it really is. I mean, nine eleven had not happened. The internet was not there. No pandemic like right. we've had recently. So I wanted to sort of show life from another time, and uh, that was probably a secondary goal. But it, but I wanted to in- capture that specific. 80s and 90s. Yeah, and you, and you sure did. And in fact, I, I I love that you wanted to preserve that as like another time because it truly is because we don't we don't realize because this happened in our lifetimes, right? But yeah. I, I realize it sometimes with my own kids, like they have no clue about like a rotary dial phone, like you yeah. know? <laughs> yes, so weird, you know, that they don't yeah. have that that life experience that we, you know I I take for granted as having grown up with those sorts of things and knowing the time before the internet, it gives us a very different perspective, doesn't it? It sure does. It does. I, I feel like 
I feel very distant in some ways from my students, even though I feel young st still. <laughs> I've, I can relate to what they're doing, but but then I realize, wow, they don't remember not having the internet. None of them, right. none of my no. students. They they've all grown up with it, and that that's amazing to me. That that changed things more than like from our generation back to our parents. Mm -hmm. I'm sure of it. Even though oh, yeah. society was progressing quickly in the 20th century. The internet is like the thing that just changed it all. It's a different life now. It is. It is. And that's important for us to be aware of for ourselves. But then especially those of us who are parents kind of, making yes. the, you know, understanding our, our kids perspective. So I, I love that it's an encouraging read and um, it, and it's just an entertaining read. I mean, it's just great fun to read about your your boyhood. Um, so before before we have to wrap up here, I, I did want to ask you about your, your siblings. So where are they all at and what's going on with your extended family at this point? Oh, yes. So my older brother, who plays like a little bit of the villain a little bit in some of the stories <laughs> in here, he is the owner of Chicken Cone, which is a, a, a franchising thing that's chicken and waffles oh in, my a, gosh, in a that's cone. Great. So, okay. so they're, they're expanding all over the country. So he's, he's really busy with that. So he grew up to be an entrepreneur. It comes across a little bit in the book that, that he might be something like that. Mm -hmm. um, my sister is married and has a big family. She's homeschooling her children in Kentucky. And then I have a, um, my younger brother, um, who's featured a lot in the book also. He actually lives kind of close to me. He lives up um, just in Maine, so a couple hours apart. And he has a, a bunch of homeschooled kids so we have cousins that get together. He's got two for every one of mine, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's 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 what he's up to. And then my sort of adopted brother, who's in the book just a little bit, he's an architect down in Texas. So oh, I, nice. we're all close. I keep up with them, especially my brothers. We talk every week at least. And um, you know, we went through this child, this awesome childhood together. And it bonded us. It wasn't just uh, a lot of times you hear about siblings being really close who went through traumatic things. Thanks be to God, we never really did go through anything too traumatic in our childhood. Right. And yet we all still love each other and we keep we keep close tabs on one That's another. That's beautiful. And are your parents still living? They are. Yes. Um, so yes. So they are in Kentucky, also near my sister to be around her okay. kids. They're retired. And um, I'm hoping they'll come see the uh, see see the beautiful fall here in yes. New England here soon. Oh, so. that would be wonderful! And yeah, what a what a what a beautiful blessing for them to see their their work kind of exponentially multiplied among all yeah. of you. That's a beautiful Some, thing. Something my dad always said was, "God has no spiritual gra grandchildren," and so um, all of us are, are you know we're all still believers and and, that's and stuff. And, and I think that that's. A testimony to a great to how testimony to them. Absolutely. Yeah. And the book is to again, the name of the book is When the Earth Was Flat, One Boy's Life at the Edge of the Millennium. My guest here today has been Dr. Jordan Almanzar. Jordan, thank you so much for coming on Girlfriends and sharing about your your boyhood and your uh, philosophy of education. It's been a real pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. All right. We've got more of the show coming up for you. But first, we're going to take a quick break. I'm Danielle Bean, and you're listening to the Girlfriends Podcast. Hi there. I'm Mark Hart, and I want to share with you an exciting new series called Venture, the Bible Timeline for High School. Now, let's be honest. The Bible is easily the most confusing, most misunderstood book of all time. How do these random time periods, these random people, these random stories all fit together? And what do they mean for me and for my life? In this study, we're going to take a journey through the basic story of Scripture from Genesis through Revelation, so that by the end of it, 
teenagers will understand the big picture of salvation history. Because when we come to know the story, we come to know our place in the story. To find out more and get a free preview of this engaging new study, visit ascensionpress.com backslash venture. Welcome back. Now we're at the point in the show where I like to share a listener question. And this week I heard from Marie, who um, she wrote me a lot of different things, but I'm going to keep some of the details out and just share the end because that's really where she had the question. And Marie says, I'm 21 years old and happily married to the love of my life. Well, congratulations, Marie. That's beautiful. I'm so excited to be his wife and hopefully a mom in the near future. I know that is the more that God is calling me to be, but I still have such a desire for something else. My dream is to write. I would love to be a published author someday. I have a passion for women and the unborn. I would love to use my writing to promote life, to teach women how awful abortion truly is. If not that, then I would love to write in Catholic circles, articles for blogs, magazines, etc., even short stories, children's books. I just don't know where to get started without further education. And at this point, further education is out of the question for me. That is why I've come to you. I would like to find a part-time job with a bit of flexibility, preferably working from home if possible. After searching for Catholic writing jobs and praying about this for over a month now, I had the light bulb idea, ask Danielle. I figured if anyone would know where to point a girl, you would. My cousin and I have also been talking about starting a podcast for young ladies, and I was wondering if you have any tips on how to begin. Thank you so much for your time, and God bless you in all your work, Marie. Okay, Marie, I love your question. I love your enthusiasm. I I love that you are feeling passionate about doing things for God and for others and sharing your gifts and your talents, whether it's through writing or starting a podcast and, and that you've got motherhood on your heart. I think these... I'm just so thrilled for you. You're in a beautiful point in your life. And I'm so excited for you. Know that I'm going to be praying for you as you're kind of discerning these things. But this is a question I get a lot from people um, is kind of like, where do I get started? How do I start writing? And, you know, the answer is going to be different for different kinds of writing that people might want to do. And you listed, Marie, a ton of stuff. I mean, a lot of very different kinds of writing. So my first thing that I would suggest that you do is figure out more specifically what kind of writing you might like to get started in. And uh, you didn't mention whether or not you need to get paid for it. And I don't know if that's part of your motivation, but that might kind of narrow down the field because some of those those kinds of writing are, are less likely to be income producing and some are more likely. So, you know, I would suggest that you kind of narrow that down so that you can focus your efforts. Like, where do you want to write? Is there a particular magazine that you enjoy reading and you could imagine yourself writing something for it? Or is there a website that you you like reading and you want to write for them? Or, you know, is there a, a particular publication of some kind? And, and you might want to do that kind of writing. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about the podcast here. I'm going to focus on the writing. And then once you've narrowed it down, like I really would suggest, like you have to start with one thing. So I would suggest beginning with one thing, like pick um, let's let's just say there's a website that you're familiar with and you you like reading there and you like following some of the writers on there and you'd like the opportunity to write there. Well, then once you decide that, then you've got to put in effort researching, research, 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 figure out how do they accept submissions? Is there a place on their website where they tell you how? Um, or do you have a connection to somebody there? Might you send an email to one of the writers there and ask to get connected with the editor if that information isn't readily available on the website? 
figure it out. Do that that kind of legwork, that kind of behind the scenes research. Find out what the website's needs are. You know, as a magazine editor for many years, I was very grateful and I could spot them from a mile away for writers who sent me a very specific pitch that were familiar with the publication that I was putting out and what our needs were. So, you know, it, and I was very much put off by the kinds of queries that I would get from some writers who obviously didn't even know what kind of stuff we published. They were just sending me ideas for things that we never would publish, that we never did publish. And there was no space for it in the magazine, you know, don't waste their time figure it out ahead of time. You do that research, do that work. And yeah, it's hard. It's not like the glamorous, fun thrill that, you know, you you might think of as writing, like, oh, I'm going to be a writer. And you, you think of the writing part, or you think of being published, and that's kind of fun. This is more the grunt work behind the scenes that people don't see about writing. You've got to have some hustle. And so doing that research, you know, and and making those contacts, and you might do it in a number of places. You know, I said start with one, but once you've kind of figured out that research and done that and kind of, you know, made that that connection or you're, you're beginning to move toward making that connection and reaching out to people, then you can move on to another one and have a few different opportunities like this kind of in the works as you're going and just be diligent about it. I would say if you really are serious about kind of growing your work as a writer, if you want to become a freelance writer in any industry, you really need to set aside time for it. So you might consider like, you know, these two hours on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons, I'm going to devote to this or whatever it is, whatever amount of time you you can devote to it. Or maybe it's going to be on weeknights. I'm going to do this on, you know, three weeknights a week. I'm going to be focused on this freelance work. I'm going to figure it out because it does take time. It does take effort. And I think that's the part that maybe, you know, people when they're kind of like looking at becoming a writer and kind of dreaming of it, they don't see like the grunt work. And maybe that's like sort of a tough wake up call for some people as they're kind of getting into writing that it does require that. And so be diligent about doing your research and your follow through. And um, then be patient because these things take time to grow. You know, you may not find the right opportunity for you, the right fit for you, the place that God is calling you to work and be a writer. You may not find that right away. Early on in, in my writing career, I wrote for a lot of different places. I sent pitches to a lot of different places, and some of them never came to anything. And I put a ton of work into kind of researching them and figuring out what I was going to pitch to them, and it never worked out for whatever reason. But I learned from that. I learned what kind of writer I wanted to be. I learned about the process of making connections. There was one, it was a secular magazine that I really wanted to write for, and I knew that it paid well. It was owned by Disney, and it was like this kind of gold of mine to get published in that magazine. And there was one section of the magazine that I felt like I could write like that. And so I kept pitching and pitching and pitching. And I kept getting rejected and rejected and rejected. But through that series of rejections that editor came to know me and she started to send little notes with her rejections, kind of explaining why. And then I was able to kind of tailor my my next pitch to her based on what she was teaching me. And I was so grateful for that. I ultimately did get published in that magazine. It was a great, a great victorious moment for me, but it never would have happened if I didn't follow through. And if I wasn't patient with the process, like if I got that first rejection, I'm like, oh, forget it. It's never going to work. You know, you've got to be persistent and you've got you've got to follow through. But I really would encourage you, Marie, to just narrow down what you want to do. I, I love that you have these passions for many different things, but I would encourage you to get very much more specific in what kind of work you want to do. And that may not work out. You know, you may decide on a very specific thing that you want to do and it may not come to fruition. And then it's time to consider something else, you know. 
And that's part of how we discern God's will is, you know, first of all, you have this passion for this, you want to do this thing, and just kind of figuring out where the right opportunities are going to open up for you. But I'm going to be praying for you as you discern that. And yes, starting a podcast for young ladies, go for it. I encourage everybody to start a podcast. I love podcasting. I'm a huge fan of podcasts. I love it as a way of communicating, obviously. (laughs) You know, in January, we're coming up on seven years that I've been recording the Girlfriends podcast. What what a blessing. What a blessing this podcast has been for me. So I really do encourage you to do it. Tips for getting started would be, you know, know that there's a little bit of a learning curve for doing it, whether you're going to do your own audio editing and all of that or not, you know, and and you got to put the time in again, put the time in to to figure out exactly what it is you want to do. And, and to learn that new skill, be patient with yourself. Thank you so much for writing, Marie. If anybody else has a question you want me to take up here, if you have some topic you want me to take up here or a topic you want to suggest for a future episode of Girlfriends, I would love to hear from you. You can email me, danielle at daniellebean.com or connect with me on social media. I'm Danielle Bean on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And finally, if you want to send me a Vox, I would love to connect with you on Voxer. The link to connect with me on Voxer is always in the show notes over at ascensionpress.com. Again, if you want those show notes sent right to your inbox, subscribe for free. Just send the word girlfriends. Text the word girlfriends to 33777. That's all for now. I want to remind you, get over to girlfriendscommunity.com so you can sign up for free for our Advent retreat. There is still time to join us, but you do have to register. Again, those links are going to be in the show notes. I definitely want to see you there. But for now, I want to thank you just for being here. Thank you for showing up. Thanks for being a part of today's podcast. You are such a blessing to me. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between daniellebean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 